Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Daily Objective. The host today, myself, Mark Pellegrino, and Josh Dixon from Resurface UK. I think you know us by now, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip the, the introductions. So today, the topic we will discuss is the relationship between, in a way, religion and capitalism, but more specifically, uh, the latest encyclical by the Pope. And it surprised many people because the Pope actually attacks, quote, neoliberalism and the free markets. And a lot of people are surprised because they say, well, I thought that, you know, really the church and, and capitalism are kind of the establishment both, so they should more or less agree. So here's what the Pope says. First of all, when I read it, I went to the original, uh, on, uh, literally on the website vatican.va, because I couldn't believe that the Pope used this language, but actually it is. So listen what the Pope said. Quote, by the way, this is, this is, this is a text about something like the way out of the COVID, uh, let's say, crisis and where the humanity is today. So, quote, the marketplace by itself cannot resolve every problem. However much we are asked to believe this dogma of neoliberal faith. Whatever the challenge, this impoverished and repetitive school of thought always offers the same recipes. Neoliberalism simply reproduces itself by resorting to the magic theories of quotes, spillover, or trickle. Now, and, and, then, and, then, and then, so if, if, I would, if someone told me who said this, I would say, well, that's probably a sociology textbook or a Naomi Klein quote. And actually, it's the Pope. And something else, he says, our worst response would be to plunge even more deeply into feverish consumerism and new forms of egotistical self-preservation. So there's so many things to unpack here. A, what is, quote, neoliberalism? B, what does the Pope mean? C, should we even be surprised that the Pope is attacking capitalism? So I'm throwing this on the table. First comments by Mark and Josh, and then we're going to get back to these issues. Mark, let's start with you. Well, uh, I mean, it sounded like a lot of uh, pseudo-intellectual gibberish to me. I mean, um, did, did he actually say anything there or was he just sort of vomiting out uh, neo-Marxist slogans as a counter to what he thinks, uh, as a counter to what he thinks consumerism is? Look, I, I mean, I feel like, I feel like our way out of any crisis is innovation. And, and I think it's a fairly objectively proven fact that the only way innovation happens is with decentralization, with, a, with an atmosphere of free ideas. People seem to associate capitalism only with material gain and consumerism, consumption, as opposed to production, thinking, and liberty. And, and that's, that's our key to success in any crisis. You know, there's a reason the Renaissance uh, took hold in Italy, because Italy was composed of what? Uh, city-state, independent city-states that were where ideas could flourish and compete and fight with each other for prominence and the truth. Um, you, you, you can't have that in any other system but a capitalistic system, and you need that openness of ideas and, and freedom to experiment and to have trial and error to work your way out of any crisis. So I don't know what the Pope was saying, to be honest with you, but that's my take on how you get out of any crisis. Josh. Well, I mean, just I, I, I have to say, I've switched off from anything the Pope has said all my life, to tell you the truth. But 
the reality of the fact is our Archbishop of Canterbury, who is the Church of England's equivalent of the Pope, has been a sort of an open leftist, uh, puts forward the woke agenda all the time. This doesn't surprise me at all. And also look at the Catholic Church's history. They've always been in bed with fascist and communist regimes. They've always slotted in really well. They've never been um, on the side of, of freedom, on the side of um, individual rights. I mean, just it, it, I, fi I find it so hard to take seriously anything. You know, this, this is God's representative on earth. And right. yet he talks about magic. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. And, and also in that, that, that was just, I was just sort of sniggering to myself is when he starts talking <clears> about <throat> neoliberal dogma and, you know, the dogma that comes from the Catholic church all the time. I, I just, I have no truck with it, to tell you the truth. And it, it doesn't surprise me. I agree with what Mark was saying. I, I, what did he say? Just that could have been anyone from a student union uh, politics debate to a column in the Guardian to, 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 to many other places. He didn't really actually say anything. And I'm not sure how much um, people will take notice of that. However, I, and also I completely agree with Mark that, that it's innovation, um, freedom of ideas, and, and a market, even a semi-free market that allows people to innovate and trusts in individual minds. Because you know, the, last, the last people I want trying to get me out of this pandemic are people who who don't believe in innovation or anything like that this i mean even you take a country like the uk the top-down approach from the health system and the government during this uh pandemic has just like why anyone would ever want more government after seeing what they've been doing i i i've not i just can't compute perhaps so because perhaps because they want less responsibility well, there's, there's, there's that, that element, but when you, when you have this just objective evidence of how badly they, uh, the government has handled this to say, yeah, we want more. I know, I know why they do, they, because they would do it. Everyone who puts it forward says they will do it better than the other people. They just weren't so, doing it right. Well, don't you, don't you feel the secularists? Sorry, sorry, Nikos, but don't you feel the no secularists are also putting forward their version of creationism? So for them, innovation happens from the top down, just like uh, the creation of the universe happened from the top down. There's a similarity in their, in their thinking. It's hard for them to understand that it doesn't happen that way at all. It happens from a million places combining in a million ways, sloppily sort of integrating and fighting with each other until the best ideas rise to the top. They don't like that evolutionary process. No, no, totally. And the question is, does even the church approve let's say of these things such as going after your values because there is the pope talks about egotistic stuff there's nothing more egotistic properly understood going after your values and having a vision and going after it now the the religionist a they're gonna say and i will give them a point there that there were countries where the church was very active in the struggle against oppressive regimes Poland under Jaruzelski would be an example. Also, maybe someone could say in, in Eastern Germany and all that stuff. But actually, there's, there's some other issues here because the Pope is stepping on a culture which is already ripe for these kind of ideas. So first of all, I want to even question the term, quote, neoliberalism. What does neoliberalism mean? What you're going to find is it's one of the mostly used terms, but it's almost never defined. 
and you will not ever find anyone saying I'm a neoliberal. You might find people saying I'm a libertarian, radical for capitalism, anarcho-capitalist, classical liberal, but no one says I'm a neoliberal. So in a way, it's a boogie term, but here's why it's, it works. So the left, or at least it used to be like that, they wouldn't attack capitalism straight because then they'd have to say, what is the alternative? So they'd say, oh, we are against, against neoliberalism. So this is a fake radicalism because you don't say I'm against capitalism because then you'd have to offer something else, but you say I'm against neoliberalism. So you have this kind of boring Keynesian example, but also the right. So in Greece, the central right party of new democracy, they had in their manifesto till some years ago, I don't know if it's still there. They said, we oppose extremes such as neoliberalism. So neoliberalism, so this is the huge success of the left. Something that started out of some mostly Latin American uh, academics, the term now is used by the Pope and by the right. So this, this is why we're saying quite often, the right goes to war with uh, pistol guns to the, to, the, to the battle of ideas, right? So give them some years and they accept all the arguments of the other side. Why? Because they can't, uh, they can't go against them uh, they can't go against them uh, morally. So any comments on the whole neoliberal boogeyman and whether, whether it's, it's an interesting case where language actually has consequences. It, it's, 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 it operates in a way to, to, to make sure that the actual good ideas are kind of, are, are portrayed in a black color. Yeah, I think if anything, the left is very good at package dealing ideas in such a way as to obliterate the good and promote the bad. Um, and I think that is a unique talent of the left. And, and perhaps it comes from their ideological stance that language is an, isn't an epistemological tool. It's a tool of dominance and dominance narratives. And so they use it as weapons in an attempt to gain uh, you know, gain gain uh, leverage and an edge over their quote unquote opponents in the culture. And, and notice one thing, this term has been used for Margaret Thatcher, for Pinochet, <clears throat> for Tony Blair, for Bill Clinton, for Hillary Clinton, for Ayn Rand, even for the Communist Party of China after in the 80s. So if one term can describe both Ayn Rand and the Communist Party of China, <laughs> you realize that it's all it wants to do is it's an anti-concept if there ever was a, if there if there ever was one so just any any comment on the issue of language and how uh, neoliberal you well absolutely the well i know that the adam smith institute decided that they were going to adopt the term ne neoliberalism and i think they were probably doing that in the way that capitalists took capitalism from the marxists i know that capitalism was considered a you know a, a derogatory term that the capitalists the classical liberals of the time or, or however they define themselves took that on you know I've, I've had a real uh, real life example of the left and the way term you know concepts are twisted the package deals that mark was just referencing just now i i very 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 rarely engage on twitter it, it's it's not for me however someone had written that they saw it as privilege that they had two eyes and they could see because they said, oh, I, I've something, there was just something along the lines of a friend 
having a problem with with their eyesight and therefore he realized how privileged he was and i just came in and said well privilege is something that you know is gifted from a power or an authority and therefore have, being able to see clearly is not a privilege it's just normal and the 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 kind of very kind of low key for twitter responses and vitriol i got from that um was just a classic example of how the left have taken a term like privilege and and, and sort of normalized it so they can weaponize it against anyone who is just kind of normal like in the same way that eight this term ableism came out a few years ago i haven't heard it so much recently but yeah the weaponization of language and the way the left will say well language we don't really have to define our terms it's not important but they know exactly what they're doing there and it's incredibly effective you see it all the time i see i see people i know who who aren't really political they start saying things like intersectionality and privilege and using terms that don't really mean anything. And neoliberalism, I, one thing I will say is I haven't really heard it catch on much. It's, it's, it's used, but I, I, it, I, can't, I can't grasp it. You can see what I'm doing now. I, I can't grasp onto what it is. You know, Into neoliberalism, so new version of liberalism, are we talking about liberalism and what it means in the States? Are we talking about liberalism and what it means in the UK? We're talking about classic, new classical liberalism. Well, that, uh, you know, you would just keep going round and round with that. But to give some context to our viewers, when the term is used in social science, it's automatic that it's something bad. So, for example, you could say this was a, so let's say it's an essay. The student will say this was a neoliberal reform in education. And this doesn't require anything else. It's, it's basically, it speaks for itself that this was something, this was something bad. That's why they use the term boogeyman and that it, it portrays what it it portrays in dark colors whatever is maybe something good which is let's say a, deregu, a deregulation that gives more opportunity to people with something which is horrendous like for example the pinochet rule in 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 chile that's why it's i call it such a such a package there but for the remaining six minutes let's touch upon something else this huge misunderstanding about the relationship between the church and capitalism and they say, by the way, they say there's a Trump tweet about everything. I say there's an Ayn Rand article about everything. So in 1967, in Capital of the Unknown Ideal, I mean, in what later became the book, The Capital of the Unknown Ideal, there's an article she wrote about a different Pope's uh, encyclical, and it's called Requiem for Man. And then she goes through a very deep analysis on the relationship between the church and capitalism. And she says that, they are incompatible. And here's what's the problem though. Again, in social sciences, because Max Weber is considered this father figure of social sciences, and he had the idea of the Protestant ethic. So the vast, vast, vast majority of the population believe that capitalism goes hand in hand with the Protestant ethic, that there's this idea that is also repressive, that says, you know, work, 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 otherwise there's no value in you and your life. And this is how capitalism found a step to, to establish its uh, poisonous uh, ideology. So now let's go the other way. Let's start with Joe. So do you, do, you, do you think that there is this link between this idea that I have to work hard to be worthy of God's uh, grace or whatever, also with the eyes of the psychologist, and capitalism? Or do you think this is a misreading of what is actual morality of capitalism? 
Well, it, it is ultimately a, a misreading of of the morality of capitalism. But I think that I think historically we do have to accept that there is a link between capitalism and Protestantism. In and and in in the sense that the Protestantism took out the jump, the need for the vicar, for the priest to be your conduit as a way of getting towards heaven. And it made it a little bit more, a little bit more individualistic. And there is that element. And the Calvinists I know were, were you know, very much about working hard and, and making money and, and, and that side of it. So I think there is historically an, an element of that, but it's kind of loose. And I know exactly what you mean there, though, when you're talking about the Protestant work ethic, and, and that is used as a smear term as well now, like all, all these things. So that there is, there is a link to reality and, and history, but there's also a whole load of things that have been chucked on top of that. And that's what I, that's what I, I notice definitely. Mark. I mean, I would sort of agree. I, <clears throat> I'm not particularly an expert in this field, but Protestantism had been around for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> um, and it didn't spur on the industrial revolution. I think there were, there are other intellectual movements that, <clears throat> that were responsible for that. For me, Capitalism is is sort of the is sort of an economic system that mirrors natural man. It, it, near, it mirrors the way in which human beings interact with their environment and have to deal with one another um, if they want peace. And um, and so for me, it came out. It just came out of a natural phenomenon. It came out of the. It was a natural evolution from the scientific revolution. A natural evolution from the Renaissance and and the primacy of man ideas that were ascended at the time. So, uh, I can see a relationship in in a way with uh, with Protestantism, but I don't think it's a fundamental. Yeah. But yeah. Is, and, sorry, was, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, but there is that breakaway. The Protestants broke away from. The, the, the Catholic Church, the dominance of the Catholic Church, they were able to communicate to God directly. It took away that control element and that slight um, independence, independence uh, increase there is, I think, that what you could hang your hat on in, in, in those terms. So I will finish with three points. The first point is that on a, on a philosophical level, it's very difficult to put together Christianity and capitalism because of the Christian morality and the Christian ethics. So if capitalism is a system that says, look, I have to make sense of the world and what the world and my life requires with my mind and then act based on it to pursue my values, already in this sentence, there are many things that for the, or whatever, or what passes for Christian morality, what most people have in their minds, there are many issues there. So for example, Oh, but you, you know, the, 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 about metaphysics, for example, does this world make sense? Can you make sense with it with your mind or was it created by a superior consciousness which can then intervene or whatever? But let's leave this aside because we'll have to discuss it for a couple of hours. And again, go and read the Requiem for, for man. See at the practical level, how good defenders of freedom has the religious, have the religious conservatives been in the States? Again, see the state of the culture, see where the Overton window is today, see how the Pope sounds like Naomi Klein, and you will have your answer there. And the third point is, again, the power of ideas. Ideas move the world. When such ideas, such as 
egotistical self-preservation is bad or neoliberalism is bad or we need more altruism, whatever, whatever, whatever that means. When they take over, don't be surprised again when the Pope sounds like, as you said, the student union uh, representative or, or whatever. So DR, conservatives, you know, food for thought. Anyway, parting thoughts from uh, Mark and Josh. Josh, go ahead. I feel like I've been monopolizing things. No, not at all. I just, uh, I think, I, I think this just goes to show the second-handedness of the church as well, in terms of they're always piggybacking on the culture uh, these days. You know, they're, they're they're meant to be beyond culture, aren't they? They're meant to be directly linked to God and 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 beyond. But yeah, so that that's what just coming to mind right now is just. It, it reminds me a couple of years ago. I, I don't remember if it was this pope. On a, on a very controversial issue, such as, I think, gay wedding, which, of course, would be completely opposite from the Pope's side. But he said something like, well, who am I to know? Who am I to judge? Like, you are the head of the Catholic Church. What do you mean, who am I to judge? That, that, that's, that's, it, that's, they don't even believe in their own authority in a way, which in some ways we could say it's good, but in some other ways, it's something weird that should be noticed. Anyway, Mark. Well, uh, I think... Uh, what's operable here is garbage in, garbage out. I mean, as Rand always said, check your premises. Bad premises lead to bad conclusions. And there's nothing but bad premises in that encyclical. And of course, it leads us uh, down a rather poisonous path. So always check your premises. Nice. Okay, these are, these, these, these are words to, to finish the show. So I haven't got anything to add. From Mark, Joss, and myself, thank you so much for watching. And we're going to see you soon.